You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. On other Viva podcasts, we've talked about HIPAA compliance. Today, we will specifically answer the question, what is a HIPAA compliant backup and how do I set that up? We're talking to someone who certainly knows a lot about this subject. Dr. Lauren Levine is here to share with us his wisdom. He is president and CEO of The Digital Dentist. Welcome, Dr. Levine, to Dental Talk, and thanks for being on this Viva podcast. Thank you, Phil. Always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, your other podcasts have been fantastic, um, really, really well-received by our listeners, and uh, we're very happy to have you on again. So my first question is, are there any HIPAA rules that discuss backup of the data? Yeah, there's a number, actually. Okay. <laughs> when I talk to some of our clients about that, they they seem to be surprised by that. Yeah, we've all known forever that backup is a critical component to any office. And, you know, I started my practice back in 92. And back then, I mean, you know, any of your older listeners will probably be very familiar with this process. You know, the end of the day would come and we had that big stack of floppy drive uh, disks sitting on the on the countertop. And my office manager would put the first one in and it could only hold 1.4 megabytes of data, so it would get to the end, and it would tell her to now put in disk two, and uh, I think our backup was somewhere around 20 to 30 disks, and it would usually take her about 40 to 45 minutes to do it. Uh, Thankfully, things have have changed, Uh, but HIPAA does have their hands in those cookie jars as well. You know, when we consider the fact that HIPAA has come about due to the need to protect the the confidentiality, the security of patient information, it also makes sense that they say, listen, we also want to make sure that you've got that data always at your disposal, that nothing ever happens to that data, because in a lot of cases, that may be the only place where that data exists. So the HIPAA rules and regulations would extend to the fact that you have to do a backup. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to have uh, what they, one of the terms that they use is that it has to be retrievable. And what that means is that it has to be offsite. And we'll talk a little bit about what your offsite options are. Uh, but it, you know, it makes perfect sense. If the, if the office burns down, if there's a, a fire, a flood, theft, having the backup in the office isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. It's right. got to be offsite. So that's what they call retrievable. Um, they don't use the word encryption, but they do say that it has to be, uh, indecipherable, uh, unreadable. So it, it basically means it has to be encrypted right. that if anyone gets a hold of it. Uh, certainly uh, you have to test and verify that backup. You have to actually know on a regular basis that it's working. Uh, another oftentimes overlooked thing when it comes to backup, uh, HIPAA says that you have what are called business associates. And a business associate is pretty much anyone that you do business with that has access to that protected health information. And the HIPAA laws are very specific on this, which, and it basically says that whoever your business associates are, you need to have a written agreement with them. It's called a BAA, a business associates agreement. And, and the gist of that BAA is that that business associate is gonna take the same level of security and precautions towards the data that you are, and they're gonna handle it the same way. All of those things need to be in place for you to say that your backup is even close to being HIPAA compliant. Very, very good information. So, you know, we hear about off-site backup and, um, you know, there's a co-location center, which is where you can buy some 
you know, you, you can buy some space and put a server in there or a server rack, or they also talk about the cloud. And we had the cloud is, you know, Amazon or Azure. Those are very popular cloud uh, companies. What, what's your feeling about that? So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of cloud. So we still have a number of clients that use external hard drives. You know, the advantage of external hard drives is that they are easy to use. You can have almost unlimited capacity. You can get them with multiple terabytes of storage for 100, 150 bucks. So you're never going to run out of space. Uh, we mentioned the need for encryption. So you've got to make sure that if you are doing a, uh, an external hard drive backup, that you are encrypting it. The, the challenge, I think, for a lot of offices to, is to make sure that they're doing it consistently. Um, sometimes an office just gets too busy. They don't run the backup or they do run it, but they forget to bring it home with them. And of course, that's the night the fire burns down the office. Right. Uh, you know, we have some people who say, well, I put it in a fireproof safe. Well, that's fine, except that most external hard drives are made out of plastic. Mm-hmm. So plastic is not melt proof. And at those right. temperatures, it, it's going to melt. So it's not going to do you a whole but lot of good. Also, on the reliability of external hard drives, they're based on flash memory, are they not? And what I've read is external hard drives have a lifespan um, and there are some issues with reliability. So there, Yeah, there, well, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a joke in the IT realm. You know, what is the failure rate of hard drives? And the answer is 100%. Right. They all fail eventually. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so, uh, and plus, you know, from our standpoint, you just, the more you can eliminate the human component of this, the better. Yeah, definitely. So rather than, Rather than you having to schlep that drive home every day or your staff member is doing it, that's where something like a cloud backup comes in. Now, as you mentioned, there's different ways of doing that. You can get there's services out there like Mosey and Carbonite. They're okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're certainly cost-wise unbelievably cheap. Uh, so if that's what, mm-hmm. what you're looking for, you know, you can't beat the price. Right. Um, from a HIPAA standpoint, they're not ideal. Uh, of course, it doesn't address the fact that, well, how are you going to test and verify that back? If you've got 100, 200, 300 gigabytes of data up in the cloud, it's going to take you a long time to download that right, to, right. To, to verify it. Yeah, retrieving, retrieving that information in the format that you can utilize it in could take days using that method. Weeks, yes. weeks depending on your Internet speed. Uh, we, we've seen that before. So, um, you know, we actually use a co-location ourselves for our data. Uh, but again, it has to be HIPAA compliant. So there's certain precautions that, that Colo has to have in place as far as things like, you know, are the servers under lock and key? Are, are there guards? Is there, is there video surveillance? Do they have redundant power supplies? Right. And there's a lot of stuff that applies to them. And of course, we have that signed BAA with them. So you can't just go out and get space on an Amazon server. I mean, you've got to go into a little more depth uh, to make sure that it's HIPAA compliant. Um, right. So and just to clarify yeah. for, for our listeners, colo, which um, Dr. Levine used that term, refers to colocation, which is really just a building somewhere offsite that has uh, multiple redundancy and power. Uh, they're supposed to be protected against electrical problems. They have generators to keep the electricity going. So it's a, it's a great place to back up your content. And, and Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Levine, there, there should be some redundancy in that co-location center too, right? It's, it's a physical building that has, it would, if for, for instance, your server failed, there should be, it should be like a RAID 5 or something like that. 
correct? Not only, yeah, so yeah, we actually do raid, uh, we have, I think, six drives in each one of our servers. We have close to 75 terabytes of data that we, we currently have at our colos. Um, so not only do they have to have redundancy in the servers themselves, but they need their own set of backups. They right. have to have redundancy, like their servers at other locations, so that if something happens at their location, you know, we've got a backup. So, and, they, and those backups have backups. So it, it goes on and on. And I think, you know, building on what you said, the best way to think of a colo is it's, it is a cloud backup, but unlike most cloud backups where you don't really have any control over the endpoint, with a colo you do. You know, it's our servers that are housed in another building but we have access to those servers if we need to. Um, there's you know, people there that have access to it, but we decide, you know, this is the hardware that it's going to be on. Here's how we're going to configure the servers. Here's how we're going to set it up. Um, so it's just kind of like our own private cloud mm -hmm. that uh, we have much more uh, say in, and which we need from a HIPAA standpoint, because right. we just don't trust you know, Amazon or Mosey or one of those for mm -hmm. something so critical. Sure. sure. So um, what is your best suggestion for a HIPAA compliant backup system now, so maybe you could break that down for a dentist who is working as a solo practitioner versus a small group practice, and then maybe even up to a mid-sized practice, not quite a DSO, but let's say a mid-sized to large practice. So the concepts are basically the same. You know, there, were, there are some mild changes that maybe we would do depending on the size of the practice. The overlying concept is that we want to have a two-pronged approach. We talked about the fact that as much as I am a fan of cloud-based backup, getting it out of the office, having that process automated, because of the need from a HIPAA standpoint to test and verify that backup, because of the fact that hundreds of gigabytes is going to take a lot of time to download, you need to have a local backup as well. That's where it becomes a little trickier as far as how you're going to set that up. If you talk to five different IT companies, they're gonna get you five different plans. So I'm not saying that mine is right or wrong, but we find this to be the most efficient. What we recommend for an office is what's called a disk image. Most backups in the past have always been file folders that you just basically take whatever, you know, if, you, if your Dentrix data is in the Dentrix folder, or now it's in the common folder, but if it's in that folder, you copy that folder over. And the problem with that is let's say that your server goes down for whatever reason. Well, now you basically have to get another server or another device that's going to act like the server in there. You're going to have to reinstall all your program files, reconfigure the entire network, all your printer shares, all that stuff. Then you can take the data that was backed up, put it onto that new device. But you're still looking at a day or two of, of downtime. Mm -hmm. With a disk image, you are taking a snapshot of the entire server, not just the data, but the program files, the settings, the network configuration, everything. And we put it onto a local device. It can, in theory, go onto an external hard drive. Those take longer to restore. So normally what we recommend is just another, we use like a Dell computer that's got three or four terabytes of storage. It's just a, a souped up workstation. Mm -hmm. We put that image on there and we put it into a virtual environment. Uh, it's called VirtualBox. Let's say now your server goes down, we fire up that virtual copy of the server, and within a matter of minutes, as far as the rest of the network is concerned, you're up and running. The server's back. That's amazing. And you can go ahead and take x-rays. You can go, you could take a month to get the server fixed, 
Uh, there's no rush because now you've got an exact copy of the server that's running on another device. Now, you, obviously, you want to make sure you're backing that device up and doing everything you can to, uh, to, to keep it protected. But, you, you know, anytime you have a, a proper and we don't like, always use the word backup because I think it gives a false sense of security. We like the words like uh, disaster recovery or, right. or practice continuity, but that really should be measured in minutes. If it's measured in multiple hours or days, then I think an office really should uh, reevaluate uh, their, their system. Now, one of the beauties that, that with our system is, you know, we talked about the fact you need to verify the backup. Well, the way that our backup software works is that every Friday night, it is going to take a, it's going to fire up that virtual copy of the server, take a screenshot and email it to us. So we know that if HIPAA ever comes calling and says, hey, we want to show proof that you have actually been testing the backup, we can show them a series of emails going back months or years, showing every week we actually fired up that copy. Now that copy won't show that the specific practice management software was, was actually tested. That's something we recommend doing at least once or twice a year. And, and the best way to test it in my mind is turn off your server and see how long did it take us to get up and running. And if so, let's take a look at that data. Does that look like today's data? Does that look like today's schedule? You know, are the, were the transactions recorded? That's the only way to really know for sure is if you no, can absolutely. see the data on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the mirror, the picture, the photo, the virtual photo that's taken at some point in time, um, that turns into a file, correct? On this, on this other box, this backup box. It's not really, and it's not really something that could run instantaneously. It's a file that kind of has to come alive once it's told, okay, we need you to map to all the proper folders all this information, and it puts it every, it configures the entire system based on the picture that it took, correct? Correct. It's a single file, but almost all of the virtual softwares out there, the virtual boxes, the VMware programs like that, recognize that file format, and they're able to on the fly convert that back into, you know, a working copy of the server. It, it happens almost instantaneously, so right. okay. never so, a problem. Yeah, and the benefit of that is, like you said earlier, if there was a catastrophe where one of your systems went down, even if you have a folder of all your of the database and all the information you have on your patients you still have to rebuild your server so that that data could be utilized in all your software programs and this does that automatically so it saves all of that time which is super beneficial yeah we call the disk image you know if people want to talk to their it company or talk to us um, that's the term you want to use you know can how do we set up a disk image um, the other thing is okay. that you want, you need to update that image, and there's different ways of handling backup. What we've always uh, recommended is what's called an incremental backup. Rather than backing up the whole thing every single time, which depending on how much data you have could take, you know, take longer than you have, uh, what we do is that we supplement that disk image with just new files or the files that have changed, uh, which only usually takes a couple of minutes. That way, uh, you could always have the most recent version of the files, but you're not wasting time and storage space by copying the same files that haven't changed in, in months or years. Right, and these these disk images also have various versions. So if someone was to accidentally delete someone's record, they'd be able to go back a version or so. Wouldn't that correct? Right, so that they would have, yeah. they can go back in versions and and pick up where before that deletion occurred. 
Yeah, and that's going to be limited by the amount of storage space. We can, for a lot of our clients, we have six months worth of versions to go back to. Mm -hmm. Realistically, no one's going to go back more than a week or two. If you're restoring a backup from, say, a month ago, that means that you need to manually re-enter all that data from that previous month, which we've had office managers tell us they'd rather quit than have to do something like that. Sure, sure. So so this is extremely valuable in case some malware came into the system, correct? Like, and just messed up all your data, you, you would be devastated. You couldn't even operate a single minute of your office. You'd have to go str- immediately to that, to that backup image. Correct. And that's part of the reason that we use the specific software that we use is that it's encrypted. And I imagine the day will come where I find a, a malware, ransomware that can affect those encrypted backups, but it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, we, we've had offices that have been hit by ransomware and usually, you know, rather than pay the ransom, a much cheaper alternative, which is usually a better alternative, is just to restore the backup. And because of the fact that we had that encrypted backup, we can just uh, boot that virtual image and, you know, have them up and running while we go about removing the, the virus and handling all the other stuff related mm-hmm. to that. And how often do you recommend doing that virtual image backup daily? Or so- yeah, well, that's where it becomes more of an issue about the size of the practice. So, you know, for a solo practice, we normally suggest once a day is probably fine. You know, the worst case scenario is you back up at night and something happens to your server at three o'clock in the afternoon the next day, then you do run the risk of losing that data. So with some of the larger size practices, group practices, DSOs, they oftentimes will want to back up multiple times during the day. The only challenge with that is that certain practice management software programs, because of the type of database that they have, they tell you that if that database is quote unquote open, that your backup may be corrupted. Hmm. So in other words, if people are still in the program while you're doing the backup, that backup may not be a hundred percent clean it, right. it could be corrupted data so that's that's the difficulty is how do you do those multiple backups and and guarantee that uh, the backups are good right uh, but for for most not an easy answer to that yeah for most practices at two in the morning when no one's there if it's running it every day it, it should be adequate for for the general practitioner for, you know for a regular office that's not huge that should be yeah i'd say 95 percent of our of our clients we have over 250 clients that we're handling their backup mm-hmm. and i can probably count on a less than two hands, the number of people that we do multiple intraday backups. Everyone else is fine with the once a night, and it, it seems to be out of sure. So here's the big question. Could you give us a ballpark cost, uh, front front end cost, and also maintenance cost on, on running a good backup system in uh, the various types of offices that you, that you see? Sure. So if you're going to back up to an external hard drive, that's obviously the cheapest alternative. You know, you're looking at 100 to 150 bucks. There's free software programs out there, but you know, from a HIPAA standpoint, they're not ideal. Um, we talked about putting that disk image onto a souped-up Dell computer, which I think is the most ideal scenario. It's going to allow for the quickest restore, and that Dell computer is going to usually run, I don't know, like 900, 950, somewhere in that range is currently what we're getting from Dell for that. Mm-hmm. For the um, the backup. You know, it's going to depend on what level of service that you're getting. When we do backup for a client, they're not just paying for the data to be backed up locally and, and off-site. We monitor it each and every day. My first tech gets in at 6 o'clock in the morning. 
the first thing that they do is go to the backup logs to see which clients have had backup issues. Of those 250, we normally see between six to 10 errors or issues from overnight. Um, I, and usually it's the, well, the, the, the local device wasn't connected or their internet may have been down when, when we had to schedule backup. You know, mm-hmm. There could be other things that are going on. We, we have to deal with those. So if you're, if you're getting a full featured backup service from an IT company who are monitoring it and making sure that everything's encrypted and fixing it every time there's a problem, you know, that's going to be a little pricier. Most of our clients are paying somewhere between uh, 100 to 125 a month is pretty typical. We have some clients who just have tons and tons of data. The cone bean that they want to back up when they have multiple terabytes. Unfortunately, whether it's a colo or whatever, a lot of places are going to start charging more if you have more data. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a couple of clients that maybe are up in the 300, 350 a month range, but I'd say, you know, the vast majority are paying between 100 and 125. And that's for everything. We never charge for any of the time to log on there, to monitor it, to, to fix it. Um, if they ever have, call us off and say, hey, you know, we had, a, we suffered an outage or our server's down, we need to get it restored. That doesn't come out of their support time with us. It's all included in that monthly fee. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, when it comes to having all those worries taken out of the Daily routine of dentistry. It seems like that's a reasonable cost to protect all this, all the information that's coming through that dental practice. Um, and, and, I think so, but I'm yeah. biased, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I know you. Are. And I really don't think, generally speaking, I mean, there are many dentists that are very technical, uh, for sure, especially the younger ones, and they may want to take on this stuff themselves, and they may think, well, I just need to do this and that, and that might work for them. But for the most part, my thought is focus on dentistry. And focusing on dentistry will bring you more business, more profits. These are small costs that uh, save an incredible amount of aggravation down the road, especially when working with experts like the digital dentist. Again, um, thank you very much, Dr. Levine, for joining us for this podcast. And we really enjoy the information. Oh, we have another one coming up pretty soon, which is important. And that's on patch management. I'm excited to get you on that show. That'll be coming up very soon. So thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.